Turn with me, friends, to this chapter, sixth chapter of the Gospel according to John. <clears throat> and I read there, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. He walked no more with him. <clears throat> Friends, I think tonight we want to follow a path through this, or identify a path through this passage. It's called the path of unbelief. The path of unbelief. Why do we need to know that path? We need to know it, friends, because of the warning signs, the terrible dangers. We can be like these people of the time of our Lord who experienced eating of that miraculous bread conversing with the blessed Son of God, hearing his heavenly answers. But we read from that time, many of his disciples went back, walked no more with him. Is there anyone here, friends, who's in danger tonight? Are you still on that road? The path of unbelief. Oh, be warned, be warned. Because it takes you away forever from the everlasting life that our Savior offers, the path of unbelief. Oh, how can we avoid it? Let's just see how <clears throat> these people got onto this well-trodden path. First of all, they were doing the wrong thing. They were doing the wrong thing. Oh, they were there in the presence of the preaching of the Lord whenever they could. They were in the synagogue. They were churchgoers, you would say. But they were doing the wrong thing. Nobody could see it, perhaps at first. But it became evident. What were they doing wrong, you say? Tell me what they're doing wrong so that I can avoid this terrible path. The first thing they were doing, friends, is this. They were pandering to the flesh. They were pandering to the flesh. It says here in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. These people were still driven by the satisfactions of the body, 
and the desires of this world. They could only think of Jesus in terms of somehow meeting this lifestyle that they had of enjoying the pleasures of this life. What a marvel it was. They were out in that desert place and all of a sudden they were feasting on fish and bread to as much as they could eat, a lavish supply, so there was many baskets left over. What a wonderful experience. Oh, you see, I'm not like that. But friends, we can be pandering to the flesh in the sense that we are <clears throat> thinking that we can continue living a life, a lifestyle of this world and still be a Christian, still be acceptable to God. Did they not hear the Savior saying? Except a man deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. These people weren't looking for paying a price, counting the cost. They wanted to get, not to give. Is that your mentality? What is there in it for me? What is it for number one? Pandering to the flesh. That grips you and takes you, holds you fast on the path of unbelief. Or secondly, doing the wrong thing. They were impervious to the signs. The signs that were given. You know, sometimes there have been occasions when drivers have been driving trains along a certain track. Many lives are in their hands. And they see the signal, the warning sign, and they said, oh, I'll take a chance. They saw the sign. But they didn't realize that to ignore it spelled death, not only to themselves, but to many others. And you see the real message of the signs that Jesus was giving. They couldn't read the signs. We were over in Canada and trying to find our way in Calgary, trying to find our way south, and we ended up somewhere else at the airport. We couldn't read the signs. Canadian signs are a bit different from ours. They were impervious to the signs. Look at verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you. For him hath God the Father sealed. There is the reason for the miracle. It was a sealing, an authenticating, an authority-giving an authority act of the Father to say, look, this is the one who has all my authority. I've put your life in his hands. They didn't see it. They didn't see that this was the only one 
who said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. What is your view of Jesus tonight? Oh, you admire the person. Yes, you can follow the sermon. You can hear about the life and death, the sufferings, the perfection of Jesus. But what does it mean to you? Are you heeding the sign? Is it just a matter of interest or is it something that has altered and changed? You labor, labor for the meat that endures unto everlasting life. Make sure, friends, make sure that you've got a grip of the reality that Jesus saves and without him you're lost. You must have him, whatever the cost. They were impervious to the signs. They were doing the wrong thing because they were persistent in self-effort. Their idea was, God must accept what I'm trying to do. Then said he unto them, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Just show us, we'll do it. Give us the tools and we'll do the job, as Churchill said. We are fit for this. We'll make sure. And so they were going, they're doing the wrong thing. They were making, doing things in their own effort. Can you see the distinction? Labor for the meat, which endures. That's not self-effort. That's just struggling to be free of of trust in yourself. Learn to trust totally in the Son of God. Doing the wrong things, persistent in self-effort, isn't it? So, isn't it so tempting to say, "Well, I'll listen to the gospel, but um, I'm sure God can see that I'm really doing well. I've stopped doing this and that. I'm helping people here and there." I'm reading my Bible every morning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And on that account, you think God will hear you. That's not faith. That's the path of unbelief. Doing the wrong thing. Secondly, friends, demanding the wrong thing. Maybe you pray. But what are you praying? What are you praying? What are you asking when you come to God? Here are three, three temptations, three wrong steps that you can take. You can be insatiable for signs. You're always looking for something dramatic. Says in 30, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? They've just seen thousands fed from a little picnic basket. They're asking for a sign. What's wrong here? They want more. It could be another sign, another sign, another sign, because they're just going to feed on these sensational things. So many people are going to churches these days and they're 
looking for miracles. They're saying, give us another one. Heal this person. Deliver this one from alcohol. These are wonderful things. But people can feed that, make that a substitute, friends. Not a sign of faith. It's just a feeding on the sensational. Beware. Demanding the wrong thing. Jesus isn't going to come to you in flashing lights or in a dream at night. You can't depend on that. No. You have the truth. It's there written. What more can you expect? Insatiable signs. Ignoring the source. Here's another pointer that Jesus gives. So important to listen to him, friends. To avoid this terrible path. Ignoring the source. In 32, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily. And when he says that, it's as if he's making a vow, an oath. He's making a serious and solemn, solemn pronouncement. On which, if they don't attend, it will break them. But if they listen, it will save them. Truly, I say to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. These people were trusting in the servant of God. Oh, we've got Moses. He's our father. That's all we need. Oh, we've got the free church. That's enough to take us there. Think of these great men. I'm one of them. I'm in, I'm in with that crowd. I can't be left out at the end. And friends, it's not any of these men. Unless you deal personally with the Son of God, unless you have an experience of him, you can listen to me all night. I'll never save you. You can listen to every word I say, but unless behind what I'm saying, the Spirit of God Speaking to your conscience and heart and something is happening to you that never happened before and you're feeling that you're in the presence of almighty God and he's demanding your faith. He's demanding your heart. He says, son, daughter, give me your life. Give it to me. So God is here tonight. He's in his word. He's in the worship. He's saying, don't ignore the source. Second, thirdly, demanding the wrong thing. Demanding gifts instead of the giver. This follows from the same thing. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus says, my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. And they immediately launch into this grasping, give us. This bread is marvelous stuff. We can eat it and we won't die. It's like the mass of the Roman Catholic Church. They think it gives them the spiritual life. And they've got this mechanical, physical mentality. If this man, Jesus, can give us this special bread, that's enough. 
They're looking to the gift as if there's power in the gift. No, the power is only in the giver. You have to come to Jesus. He is the bread. And without taking him, you get nothing. It's him. It's all him or nothing. Eager for the gifts. That's a temptation you have. Oh, it's good to be stirred up in the church. It's good to go home feeling, wow, God seemed to be there. Then you come for another, more of it next week. But you're enjoying the experience, but you're not meeting and closing in with Christ. Friends, are you missing him? You're in the path of unbelief. Third point is this. Doubting the heavenly offer. Do you hear that? Doubting the heavenly offer. You say, how can anyone doubt this marvelous offer Jesus is making? But you, friend, are in that situation. If you're not receiving Christ now, you're on the path of unbelief. There are three things here, too. You're seeing and not perceiving. 36. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. You know all about Jesus, don't you? You know all about his birth from Mary, the angels coming, the wise men, the baptism, the ministry, the way to the cross. The cruel death, the resurrection. Yes, you know Jesus, you know all of that. Is that enough? You can see all of that and yet go to hell. It's tragic. It's all been done for sinners. But you're seeing, but you do not perceive. It says in verse 42, they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? We can see with our eyes. We saw this man as a boy. Don't tell us anything else. We'll believe it if we see it with our eyes. Otherwise. Our friends, have we underestimated what Jesus is demanding of you to see him as he is? Listen to what Peter said. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter was living on that supply of Gracious words, they were feeding his soul, and he was growing and grasping hold of what was issuing the life of Christ was coming to him. As Jesus himself said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I will dwell in him and he in me. This is the nature of the union. This is the extent of the commitment which you make to Christ and Christ makes to you so that you are indissolubly united <coughs> forever and ever.
But he's the men listening to the Jesus, listening to the gracious Son of God. We're not perceiving. Are you seeing through behind the human sight to the spiritual knowledge? It only comes, friend, when you know that God in heaven is doing business with your soul. Is that what's happening? Then thirdly, not sensing the Father's choice. <clears throat> As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the Father's doing. So you can't save yourself. You can do everything tonight, friends. But I have to tell you, unless the Father wants you, you'll never reach heaven. That's the solemn truth. There may be people here who are not in the elect. There may be someone beside you, even yourself. You're never going to come to Christ. Oh, what can I do? Then she must wait for God. Because those who wait on God will soon, very soon discover that he is interested in your soul. You begin to see these signs and evidences that something is happening. And you're listening to the gospel like you never heard it before because there's a new power present. You're grasping what you never used to know. That's the evidence. But we must solemnly say, without that, you cannot say that you're in the elect. I cannot say it either. Doubting the heavenly offer, not willing with the Father's will. Let me identify this thing that's happening in you when God is striving with your soul, when he's doing eternal business with you. His will is being transferred to your will. This is what Jesus said. <clears throat> he said, <coughs> excuse me if I can get the reference here. He says in 39, I think, <clears throat> and this is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here is someone. Has yielded up himself totally to accomplishing the will of his father. And that's what happens when God begins to work in you. You begin to say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What's the next step? I'm willing. I'm willing. All I want is Christ. It's the father's will being transferred by Christ and the Spirit to your soul. 
but others, they don't know that. They know nothing of that. They're on the path of unbelief. Fourthly, friends, there's this dismissing the Spirit's witness. Dismissing the Spirit's witness. We all know, don't we, that we come here to worship in spirit. We waste our time if we come to this church and the Spirit's not present. He's not working. He's not meeting us. He's not reaching. He's not working. What a waste of time. But if the Spirit is here, then may you also, may all of you, may all of you do other than this, dismissing the Spirit's witness. Here's the three things with which we conclude the one first one is this not learning divine lessons you friend you soul that needs to be saved you've got lessons to learn you've got to go to the school of christ and here's the lesson that you have to learn it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. You say, this is amazing. I've learned something that I didn't know before. I'm beginning to understand divine, spiritual things. They're becoming real. Why? Because the Father is teaching you and you're ready, ready to learn. And you say, Lord, instruct me in thy way. To me, a leader be in a plain path. Are you learning? If you're not learning, you're on the path of unbelief. Not hearing, not hearing the divine tongue. Look at verse 52. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What's wrong with these people? They don't know the language. They don't know the language of Christ, the language of the Spirit. Are you beginning to learn that new language? Perhaps you tried to learn French, or maybe I tried to learn Gaelic. We didn't get very far. Friends, here's a language you've got to grasp. Time is not on your side. You have to learn the language of the Spirit. Do you know what Jesus was saying when he said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath everlasting life. You know what it means? It speaks about the sacrifice. It means that the cross of Jesus becomes all important. You know your life depends on his death. You know that without that blood, none of your sins can be washed away because that blood speaks of the price that was paid. And so you feed and drink of that body and blood. You go to the cross where you daily supply of grace and pardon. Do you know that language? 
Don't know it, friends, you're lost. Not trusting the divine words. Here we must stop. We're talking about the path of unbelief, doing the wrong things, demanding the wrong thing, doubting the heavenly offer, dismissing the Spirit's witness. Excuse me. And the Spirit is witnessing here among us tonight. Are you going to dismiss it? Here's the third point. Not trusting the divine words. What did this passage mean to you as you, we read it tonight? Did it come alive for you? Did you say, this is my bread? I trust in the divine words. It is the spirit that quickeneth, that gives life. The flesh provideth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Amazing. Words can feed your soul and nourish you and carry you on the pathway of faith and blessedness because you're walking with Christ. You're abiding in him and he in you. May it be so. Let us pray. Gracious God, are there any here? You know all of them here. Are there any here? We're not heeding the word. We're dismissing the voice of the Spirit. Oh, have mercy on each one of us. We know that there was one of these disciples who betrayed the Lord because he was of the devil. Therefore, we beseech thee, Lord, that we may all be of that precious family that hear the Spirit and the Bride saying, Come. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.